0: Game of Thrones, the door is over, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones post-show recap here on postshowrecap.com. And here are the two guys who are never holding the damn door for anybody ever again. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here is Josh Wiggler. Josh, Ugh. oh boy.
1: Oh, oh gosh. Oh man, did we just get Red Weddings? Like, door, kind, of, kind of feels like it. That was, oh, oh, door. That was really tough. Yeah, Hodor. That was very, very bad. <laughs> it's
0: going to be a, a rough in memoriam segment at the Throners this year.
1: Oh man, yeah. I th- you know what? I think that you could have expected one. One the giant to carry some momentum forward from his win last year. I feel like one of the Hodor's is going to get this this year. I think. Uh, I think hold the door is a front runner for the uh, victory at the Hodor category.
0: Wow. Wow, Josh. Yeah. This was this was <sighs> tough. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. really
1: difficult. Really difficult. Uh I am uh, I'm currently in Los Angeles at Good Friend of Post Show Recaps this is Kevin Mahadeo's house was watching with him and he just like kept his like there was smoke coming out of his ears. There did was crying out of mine. Um I came close. I came close. It was it was really really difficult to sit through. Uh that's a that's a character. That's like that's like if you did that to Hurley on Lost. You know, like that's like if you were to like take this really, really beloved, gentle hearted character who's really never done anything wrong ever and just ripped him to shreds uh, via zombies. That's just not cool. It really sucks. It's very devastating. Okay. well, we are here
0: live to talk about it all. We're going to take your questions, your reactions to this very big episode here. On Game of Thrones. We're taking your tweets. Hashtag PS Recaps. Also, the questions on our YouTube channel at postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube. A lot to get through. A lot of new information coming to light about Bran, the Night's King, the Three-Eyed Raven of it all. So, a lot of stuff to do here tonight, Josh, on the two-time podcast award. (laughs) Nominated. (laughs) Yes. Post show recaps. How about that? How about that? A, the, the silver lining tonight that we just got word that the podcast yeah. award nominations were announced and post show recaps is nominated for best TV and film podcast and the People's Choice podcast of the year for 2015. 2016. Really? 2016
1: really incredible that's awesome really excited about that we work really hard it doesn't look like it it looks like it comes very naturally Mm -hmm. we work very hard here on poster recap so thank you guys for pushing us to the nominations that's really cool hold the awards hold the awards hold the awards
0: The live voting uh opens up uh one week from tonight so we'll give it more information on that i just wanted to announce that was sort of some breaking news tonight in addition to everything going on here with game of thrones all right so josh uh so all right this is This is your beat. You've been following this story for years and years and years and
1: talk. Just uh, put this in perspective for us. I think, you know, this is listen. We've seen a lot of characters die in Game of Thrones and we've seen heavy hitters die on Game of Thrones. Ned Stark dies at the end of the first season. Uh, That is a huge tone setter that anybody in this world can be killed. No one is safe. All men can be killed. Um, We lose Rob Stark and Catelyn Stark in season three as a reminder, just in case you forgot that lots of really important people die in this story. Here's a really stark, painful reminder. Um, We saw saw what happened to Jon Snow in season five. Plenty of reason to believe that he was coming back for story purposes, but that's really the exception to the rule. When you die on Game of Thrones, more often than not, you stay dead. Um, With a character like Hodor... I don't think you see that guy again. Although that being said, he does die north of the wall and we have seen what happens to bodies that are not burned Mm -hmm. north of the wall. We could be looking at zombie Hodor in the future, which is really brutal. But I think the point being that like, if there were characters that you feel like they are untouchable because they are lovable, they are beloved, they haven't done anything wrong. Hodor is kind of this, you know, sort of pop culture icon. I feel like you could go up to somebody with like, Passing knowledge of Game of Thrones, but not deep awareness of the show, and even they would probably know what a Hodor is, or at least that it 's a sound that you make when you are a fan of the show and now not only will those people you know those people will know that this is an event, uh, I think the people who love Hodor, the people who are huge Game of Thrones fans, this word that was such like a beloved rallying call now has this really very dark connotation. No,
0: I disagree, Josh. I think that Hodor now lives on beyond Game of Thrones. I think that like you and I were like headed into the bank and you're like right behind me. And you're like, oh, Hodor, Hodor. Uh, it's like, oh, OK, I-, I got the door for you, buddy. Don't oh, no problem. God.
1: I think that's, so that's just- going to be a thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a shorthand in I, the in the modern day that everyone knows that Hodor means hold the door. Yes, I think among Games of Thrones fans, I think
0: you go you go anywhere with your Game of Thrones buddy and it's like these. Oh, oh, OK, Hodor. OK,
1: got it. Yeah. All right. Well, test that out this week and let me know how that goes. <laughs> and uh, if you do say that to any Game of Thrones fans. Let me know if they hold the door for you or if they break down crying in front of you and you ruin somebody's day. Mm. I'm very curious to see which way it goes. Yeah.
0: All right, Josh, I want to just talk through the the logistics of this from what we understand now at the point. okay. so Bran is in sort of the green dream state during all this. Okay. so he's back and he is watching all of this. Hodor is he to when, so when they when they get him waking up did Bran warg into the young Hodor the older Hodor uh and if that's the case when Hodor dies is Bran still inside inside him what's
1: going on there it's a lot to unpack and it's really complicated and I think that it's going to be difficult to fully unpack even you know an hour or two after the episode is aired but as best as we can do it Um, So Bran is in the past. He's back at Winterfell. He's there with the Three-Eyed Raven. The Three-Eyed Raven says to Bran, it's time for you to become me. He's giving him the download of all of the stuff that Bran needs to know. That's what he's trying to do here. Um, So Bran is back there. At the same time, the Night's King and the White Walkers storm the cave. They go to the cave. They are going to kill everybody inside. Mira is trying to wake up Bran, needs him to warg into Hodor so that he can have Uh, so that she can have Bran's help and Hodor's help because Hodor is doing his thing where he kind of gets catatonic when he's really, really afraid. Uh, Bran in the past, here's Mira calling to him. uh, We need you to warg in Hodor. The three-eyed raven Raven says, listen to your friend, Brandon. And so Bran hops into Hodor in the present while he is simultaneously existing in the past. So this is an upgrade in Bran's power level at this point that he can both be green-seeing down the rabbit hole into the past of Winterfell while simultaneously in present day, he is warged inside of Hodor. So now he, as Hodor with Mira, are pulling the sled. They are pulling Bran's warging and green seeing body out of the door. People die. Poor Summer. We'll talk about Summer died as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Summer is going. Um, the three eyed Raven. The three eyed Raven is dead as well at this point. And they, you know, they blow up the thing. A few of the whites come through, and Hodor has to lean back on the door, and he is instructed. To hold the door. Mira says hold the door. That is as much a command to Hodor, I think, as it is to Bran. Who as Hodor is holding the door in the past. He can hear the things in the present. Um, he looks at young Willis. Willis's eyes roll into the back of his head. The way that someone's eyes roll when that person is being warged into. Or is doing the warging. Um, and I think that the suggestion there. Is that Bran can not only warg, he can not only green see, but he can warg while he's green seeing. He can warg while he is in the past, and he is warging into young Willis. Young Willis is experiencing what's happening in the present. He is repeating the final words that he is told, this final order of hold the door, hold the door, hold the door, and is experiencing his own eventual final moments while Bran in the past is watching this happen and realizing holy crap, Kodor is dying. I'm kind of responsible for it. And I also named Hodor. Like all of this is why Hodor became Hodor. Very complicated stuff. That's as far as I've gotten it so far.
0: Okay, so I hope you don't mind if I just continue this press conference and keep keep this going. It has Hodor now his entire life been armed with the consciousness. does, Does the young Hodor know what his eventual destiny is? And he is aware of this. And that is why he is saying hodor his entire life
1: that's the great question that's really you know that's really hard to know um you know is it something where it's his destiny where well obviously this is predestined i think that this is you know it's a whatever happened happened moment once again to call back to lost this episode by the way by the way directed by jack bender who is like the director of lost he was the most frequent director there i digress uh i think that hodor it was a beautiful episode it was a fantastic episode it's really excellent one of the i maybe the best of the season so far Um, I think that Hodor, like you can argue, is he, was he, did he know this? Did he know that this is where he was going? You know, Christian Nairn, the actor who plays Hodor, always said that like he put a lot into those Hodor's. He is, you know, certainly in his mind having this one-sided conversation. Or is it that, you know, his brain is really just fried and this incredibly intense thing that he experienced left him a little simpler, left him with an enormously limited vocabulary and a new nickname, and he doesn't know where he's headed. Um, I don't know. I think that that's up to interpretation a little bit right now. I'm not entirely sure where I stand on it yet.
0: We've seen Brand be able to warg into Hodor before in the past. Why was this different what What is the why Why is this more advantageous to be able to warg into people
1: from the past? Well, this is a big deal. I mean, we've seen brand warg into people in the past of the show, but not in like the history like so it's, you know, a lot to parse out. In previous episodes of Game of Thrones, Bran has been able to warg into Hodor, into animals, all of that. We have never seen him while he's been on one of his time-traveling adventures warging into another individual in the past. That could potentially be huge. Now we know with certainty that Bran's actions, um, you know, moving forward in the present of the show and the future as his future is developing on the show, that if he is tripping back in time, and he goes to Winterfell, and he wargs into Hodor, and causes this insane brain meltdown for Hodor to turn that man into Hodor, then the possibilities are out there that Bran has also been the architect of some other things that have happened in Game of Thrones history. The Builder, would you say? Yes, you know, and that's one of the big theories is that the person who built the wall um, is a legendary figure in Westeros lore named Bran the Builder, so a lot of people are wondering, could that actually be Bran Stark? Is it not just that Bran Stark is named after that guy, but is Bran Stark going to somehow trip back down the rabbit hole, go, you know, to the north and build that wall somehow? Seems like a difficult task. Who knows how that would happen? Um, but that's not an impossibility. Like if he could go back in time and warg into the Night's King or another White Walker and we saw like the Night's King uh, you know, do like his crazy frost earthquake type of thing. Could he warg into someone that powerful Mm. and use their magic to create the wall? Not an impossibility. Um, So, you know, a lot of very Valyrian foil hat theories, you know, they're really going to start emerging if they weren't already there. But they have solider ground than they've ever had with the fact that we know for sure that Bran has done some things in the past, had always done those things. And they affected things so much that we had a very beloved character thanks to Bran Stark's actions.
0: The Three-Eyed Raven, Josh. Uh, I have so many questions about what he was doing tonight. It seems like that he is the one taking Bran on all of these green-seeing visions. Yet, here we are where it seems to me, okay, the Three-Eyed Raven is showing him, okay, this big White Walker army, showing him the Night's King, and then... The knight's King grabs Bran and it's like, oh, well, he touched you. Now he can come here. This was bad. So why is the Three-Eyed, Ra- is the Three-Eyed Raven involved in that? Does the knight's uh, King have the ability to hijack
1: Bran's green seeing? Is he right. like Freddy so, Krueger? Yeah, he kind of looks like him, right? He's like the blue Freddy Kruegs. Yeah, Bran in that moment, he, I believe, is going rogue. Uh, that's some rogue warging he's doing right there. Uh, you know, Bran is sort of sneaking around in that scene right before he goes, before he goes back and looks at the undead army and looks at the Night's King and everything. So that's an unsupervised trip. Uh, that's a trip that he really shouldn't have gone on without a grown-up present. Um, so I think that's why the Raven's like, no, he touched you. You know, Granted, maybe the Raven should have told him that that was a possibility, and that really would have prevented Bran from uh, risking that, but I think that uh, this was obviously not the preferred outcome for the Three-Eyed Raven. And Bran, who's young, he's exploring, he's just figuring out these sweet new powers that he has. He takes advantage of them and he takes them a little too far, and this is what we get.
0: So then when the Three-Eyed Raven says, okay, now I gotta teach you everything. Are you ready? No. What is the significance of, again, going back to Winterfell and watching the Starks you know, getting ready to leave again? Other than... That's where young Hodor is. Is there any significance to being in that moment? It seems like that the Three-Eyed Raven, of all the different things that he could be showing Bran in the history of Westeros, that seemed like a pretty insignificant moment they were looking at during when all of hell is breaking loose.
1: Right. Well, maybe historically, sure. Um, but in terms of like the short-term, the near-term short near importance, I think it has immediate urgency And if the three eyed Raven is, you know, kind of as omnipotent as maybe we believe, or at least if he has seen a lot more than we have seen, then perhaps the three eyed Raven knows, at least in this moment, like first order of business, Bran has to turn Hodor into Hodor so that he can hold the doors that Bran can escape. Um, So I think that that could be part of it. I also think it's not, you know, necessarily off the table that, you know, we're going to keep seeing Bran when Bran is being pulled out by Mira. uh, You know, he's still in the past. He's still there is part of Bran still going to be tripping through these visions, even though the Three-Eyed Raven is gone? He was basically saying, now I need to make sure that you're me. He's like giving him the download. Is that going to continue in the weeks ahead? Is that possible?
0: Sure, certainly is. I mean, we expected, I think, to go back to the Tower of Joy before we were going back to that scene back at Winterfell with the young Stark family. Now, I believe that Bran and Mira are armed in some very heavy plot armor. But
1: yeah,
0: I think j- so, too. Doesn't it seem like that they have a zero chance of getting away from this Knights, King and White Walker army that really just completely sacked all- children of the forest, everything that's standing in their way, just obliterated. We have a young woman, what, 14, 15 years old, pulling a yeah. sled with a yeah. six foot tall man on it. Are they, How far are they getting out in front of the White Walkers?
1: Yeah, this is difficult there. And, you know, it's very cold. They made it before, but they had, you know, two other people plus a direwolf with them the last time they made this trip. And they were still struggling. They still had a really difficult time. Uh, so this is really bad. Maybe for it's them. downhill on the way down to the wall. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So they're just literally just going to sled right through the wall. It's going to mm-hmm. take them five minutes. Um, no, I think uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, there's not the impossibility that the Night's King doesn't want to kill Bran. You know, maybe he wants to use Bran. Maybe he has his own purpose for Bran. So maybe what could happen, this wouldn't benefit Mira, you wouldn't think, but maybe the White Walkers catch up to Bran and rather than killing him, maybe now Bran is kind of eyes and ears in their storyline and we start to learn more about them. We certainly started to learn more about them this week in the sense that the White Walkers weren't always White Walkers. They were human beings at one point Mm -hmm. in time. So maybe Bran is going to have some eyes on that.
0: Far be it from me to nitpick the great Knight's King. But in terms of you get the sense that he was trying to find the three-eyed raven after all this time. Kind of a big tell. uh, The one tree that exists uh, north of the wall that happened to be where the three-eyed raven lived. You would think that the Knight's King would have checked that spot before.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, Or maybe, you know, for whatever reason. Kind of an obvious hideout. Seems like a landmark. It does seem like a landmark, especially the tree with, like, the back door. Mm. Yeah. You would think you would find that. Yeah. You think that that would be on the radar at some point. Uh, But is that the only tree? I don't believe that that's true. I mean, there's actually sort of like the big
0: wide shot of, like, it's like the only thing around there.
1: Well, there is also, you know, it's a very vast expanse of land uh, for one. It is also, you know, there is a location north of the wall on those maps of Westeros uh, that are released with the books called the Forbidden Forest. You know, there's foliage around. Mm-hmm. It's a big place. You know, if they're if they're missing one tree in a snowfield, I'm not going to get too mad about it. All right, let's not
0: get too hung up on that. You know, eh, uh, no, Will and the Chats says the Children of the Forest were protecting it, but why couldn't they protect it today? Because he touched Bran in the dream. That's why. I think that's a big part of it. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, again, I, I can't uh, wrap my head around that tonight. Uh, Too much going on. Of course, uh, poor Summer uh, gets lost in the shuffle, unlike Shaggy Dog, which had a whole week of people (laughs) mourning for Shaggy Dog. Summer, uh, you know, is like an afterthought.
1: No, you know, a little bit of an afterthought, but I think in the same way that um, and probably not quite as powerfully, uh, certainly not quite as powerfully, I think. Um, as Grey Wind during the Red Wedding, uh when when Rob Stark Stewolf dies there. That's a really, really horrible, brutal moment. And you get the whimper, and what's awful about that is that Grey Wind doesn't have a chance, you know, he's locked up and he just gets crossbowed. Mm -hmm. Whereas Summer is dying, you know, throwing himself into the fray, you know, jumping into the fight and trying to do his thing. It really lasts for like half a second before he is just torn to completely just like like
0: exploding
1: maybe play that one out a little bit further. It would have been nice if Brand was able to like split the warging, double warg, and he could have warged into both Hodor and Summer because I feel like he's fought really well as Summer in the past. Uh, but I think that you know we're going to look back on it. In the immediate aftermath, we're losing Hodor, who is a guy that we really never thought that we would lose. That's Or at least I never really thought we would lose Hodor. Um, I think that that is the most immediately devastating thing. I don't think it's going to be lost that we lost Summer as well. I think that we will eventually come to you know soak in this whole major major scene this whole huge experience that's just happened and summer's death will be you know a really sad part of it but it sucks that really blows there's only two direwolves left yeah and only one of them on the show yeah ghost and
0: nymeria is out there somewhere
1: yeah that's right so maybe nymeria will re-enter the picture at some point uh at least ghost is still alive but you gotta imagine not for not for that much longer that'll be a huge pop all these direwolves are done yeah (laughs) i think it's uh, rough stuff for
0: the direwolves. Okay. Um, yeah. And then we'll see where Brand goes on his continuing adventures. And I'm sure more on this during our feedback show, which we're actually going to be doing live in person this week. This is very exciting. Yeah. It's yeah. right at Run It Up Reno. Yeah. We're, Josh and I are going to be headed to Reno this week, and we'll have our live uh, feedback show. We'll tell you how to get your questions in later on in the show all right let's uh bounce around the rest of uh westeros and we had you don't want a- to talk about you don't want to
1: talk about the fact that we learned how white walkers are made this sure. is a big deal. sure this knights a- can- and how the knights king got made yeah this is a really big deal so is that confirmed was that guy the knights king that guy who gets some obsidian buried into his heart is that what we're supposed to believe uh, that's what i was
0: thinking but unless you tell me to believe differently
1: no, I just don't know if that was definitive, but you know you watch these episodes and you stick around for like David Benioff and Dan Weiss talking about you know what went into the making of the episode what, what went into you know the story decisions that that went on in the episode. um I was you know really still kind of traumatized by this Hodor thing, so I was half reeling from what went on there, uh, but I think that they did suggest, if not outright say that that was the night's King, like you're now seeing how that guy was made. But it's pretty wild. I mean, we've seen the Night's King turn humans into White Walkers before. Mm -hmm. That was his introduction on the show back in season four, episode four, when he turns one of Craster's babies into a White Walker. So we know that he's had that power. But I don't know about you. Did you think that those guys were humans once upon a time before they were what they were? Did you kind of think that white walkers were just as fully formed their own species.
0: I feel like that. And I think I must have, uh, this is probably something from the books, not the TV show. And it sort of gets blended together in my mind. Uh, But what that is that talked about in the, in the books that they, that, and I feel like that one of the Lord commanders of the Knights of the night's watch was,
1: uh, am I making that up? Well, there's a, there's a story of a character in history named the Night's King in the books, uh, who uh, is a former Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, uh, fell in love and had a very amorous relationship with uh, like a female White Walker and turned into a White Walker himself, or some nonsense like that, that I don't think that the show has been leaning into. I think that whatever origin of this main number one bad guy is on the show seems to be at least adjusted, if not wholly different. Mm-hmm. from uh, what's going on in the books, but I imagine the mechanics of how White Walkers came to be, I would imagine that would be a monstrous deviation if that's not what George R. R. Martin is planning in the books, but none of that has ever been outright confirmed. This is the show being past the books sort of territory.
0: So if the Children of the Forest made the White Walkers, then what happened? This is just like some sort of like Terminator-type uh, situation where yeah. uh, the, the, we had, uh, they just became uh, sentient. And they came on once once they uh, came online. Skynet. Yeah, Yeah, Skynet Skynet, came online. became
1: self-aware. These White Walkers became self-aware. And I think that they created a monster that they couldn't control. Uh, You know, they they turned man into White Walker in order to destroy man. And the way that this war worked out once upon a time was that the children of the forest, they didn't like that human beings were showing up here in Westeros and cutting down their trees and moving in. And so there was this big war And you knew in the history books that the White Walkers were the big enemy, and the Children of the Forest and mankind, they teamed together to stop them. Um, But you didn't know that the Children of the Forest also created the White Walkers. So that adds some depth to this conflict that used to exist, and also this peace that had to exist between the Children of the Forest and man. It's like everyone screwed up, everyone made a mistake, including the children, and arguably the children's mistake was really the catastrophic one, and it's kind of their fault. Uh, that the White Walkers are storming uh, the Seven Kingdoms or are on their way to do it. Although you could also blame the dudes, the men, for moving in to where they shouldn't have moved into. It's everybody's fault, really. Josh, are the children of the forest completely wiped out after tonight? Great question. I mean, unless they had other headquarters, like if they had other little hideaways, uh, that looked like it. It didn't look like anyone was making it out of there alive after like that one final child of the forest like pulled the Vasquez and blew the thing yeah. up. Uh, You always were an a-hole Gorman. Like if that was, you know, the last of the Children of the Forest, we might never see those people again on the show. And That's brutal. That's a a very ancient species just wiped out. I watch
0: these shows uh, with my closed captioning on. You know what that character's name is? What's the character's name? Leaf. Leaf. L-E-A-F. (laughs) Leaf. Wow. Wow. She flew. She truly (laughs) flew. flew. She
1: flew. She flew.
0: Okay. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Sansa and Littlefinger. They meet up. I think we've talked about Littlefinger's uh, teleportation skills here on Game of Thrones. He's the only, like every other character, takes a season to get from one place to the next. But we see, you know, last week he was in the Vale. This week right. he's up at the Wall.
1: Right. He Molestown travels by map. Specifically. He tra- yeah. He travels by map. He travels by map. He gets around really, really fast. They were holed up in Moat Kalen. He gets from Moat Kalen to Molestown. It feels like it happens in a day uh so man i mean like if you're looking like for training on like speed training don't ask barry allen go look up peter baelish he's the guy you want to talk to yeah he's got that and so he comes to sansa and basically tries to patch things up with her and she is not having it great sansa scene really fun to see sansa tossing it back at peter baelish you know peter baelish who is always underestimated sansa everybody has always underestimated sansa and to see sansa come in with such ferocity and say to little finger did you know about ramsey because if you didn't you're an idiot uh, and if you did and if you did you're my enemy uh and i thought that that was great i do you know i love sansa coming into her own i love mm-hmm. sansa becoming this leader and becoming proud and decisive and making calls and feeling really ready to take on the North and rally the Houses and get a Stark back in Winterfell. I feel like you and I are going to be on a similar page on this one. Wasn't this the time to start manipulating Littlefinger back? Like, now, mm. now is the time. Like, Littlefinger shows up. He's got the Knights of the Vale. He's looking to help. He's looking to make good. You clearly see through Littlefinger at this point, Sansa. Like, at this point, you've got Littlefinger's number. Is now the time where you say, like, you do the Daenerys Targaryen thing of, like, Oh, I'm just, you know, this, you know, young girl who doesn't know the ways of war. And then you roast those people alive with dragon fire. Isn't this the time for Sansa to take Littlefinger in, take those Knights of the Veil, vale, use those forces, conquer Winterfell, then hang Littlefinger. Just mm-hmm. take him out. Isn't that the move?
0: Yeah, it really had felt like Sansa was on the rise all season long. And we were feeling really good about Sansa. But I just am starting to feel like Sansa got a big head all of a sudden. It's like Sansa really... Is gotten and and in uh, Game of Thrones, like this is like never really a good move. I feel like that the characters that get kind of cocky about where they stand and how much power they have kind of get brought back
1: down to earth. Yeah, oftentimes those cocky characters are not so cocky <laughs> after they are acting that way towards Ramsay Bolton. In fact. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that Sansa is she getting a little big for her britches? I don't know. I mean, it's she's certainly you know kicking butt. Like she's you know she's putting plans together. She's lying very well. She's allocating resources in a smart way. I just think this one with Littlefinger. I just think that there was some room there for her to to do something really. Um, you know, a little schemey with that character. And I think that that would have been very fun. That being said, she went through an enormous trauma. You know, sure. she went through such a terrible, terrible, terrible situation with uh, the Boltons in Winterfell. As she says to Littlefinger, you took me away from people who murdered my family and threw me away to other monsters who murdered my family. Uh, you know, it's just trading monsters at this point. Arguably, these ones were worse because yeah. she's still physically feels the damage of what Ramsey Bolton Which, did. Trading uh,
0: Monsters is, is one thing when you're doing Pokemon, but not with dealing right. with Sansa.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think that you want uh, I don't know. Is Snorlax. There, uh, yeah, Snorlax. Yeah, Snorlax to this conversation if you don't know what a Pokemon is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ramsey, i don't think that you want to choose you so
0: with sansa and john sort of like planning out this attack sansa's like come on what are we doing here come on well let's go let's move the pieces down the board let's go sack winterfell we got these people we'll go get the car starts back and you know even davos is like
1: ah well i don't know she's like come on what yeah. are we doing here I love Dobbs like Carstarks kind of probably hate you guys. Your brother did chop the head of their house's uh, head off. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really going to forgive that anytime soon. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Kind of don't know how Sansa knew about the Umbers uh, giving Rickon to uh, Ramsey.
1: Yeah. Was that like a PS in the Ramsey letter? Maybe. PS. In case you're trying to amass forces and you're looking at House Umber, don't. They're with me. They're the dudes who gave me Rickon. Come and see.
0: And so they're trying to figure out uh, what they're going to do. In addition, that Sansa is, has time for arts and crafts. Also, I was really impressed with Sansa. She came up with sort of like uh, a new stark line of clothing for her and John to be wearing, including like she really has mastered, what would you call that? leather working, where she's able to sort of uh, get that stark insignia. On yeah. like
1: uh, some sort of uh, leather garment for John, you know, she a girl needs hobbies. Everybody needs a hobby, and especially one who's been through such like awful circumstances as Sansa Stark. Like I, you really throw yourself into like the other thing. Like I think for her, you know, for some people that's books, some people it's cooking. For her, it's knitting. It's like leather work. She's yeah. really into fashion, so good for her. Is that's it like great.
0: the Sons of Anarchy where they just have a bunch of like Stark insignia where they can just sort of like you know sew it onto different things?
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah. give me your patch patch. you're out of the starks
0: yeah yeah the starks of anarchy i like it (laughs) yeah uh (laughs) and then uh so sansa she gets this piece of information hey blackfish is uh is up and running down uh
1: with the with the tullies and uh yeah so in the riverlands so black blackfish is playing river run i don't think that anyone has been so excited about blackfish playing anywhere uh since that moment but yeah she sends brienne she sends brienne to go check that out and brienne doesn't want to leave because she does not trust davos or melisandre Mm -hmm. she's really thumbs down on those guys
0: my favorite part of that was when she was talking about john and she's like but she's like john's he's like yeah i guess he's nice i mean he's kind of brooding uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah very funny
0: I really like that. Yeah. So we're going to send we're going to send Brienne down uh, to River Run.
1: That's the plan. So Brienne, who this sucks because she has a Valyrian sword that would really come in handy. You've got to imagine that the White Walkers are they're really barreling toward that wall pretty soon. Uh, so to have your one of your few Valyrian weapons leave, that sucks. But yeah. Brienne is going to River Run uh goodbye to the brienne and sansa dream team that was really fun while it lasted mm-hmm. but okay she got her where she needed to be uh will tormund be accompanying brienne yeah well he was on horseback right so like is he is he going out to find other northern houses is he going with john or is he gonna say to john like look uh you got this right i gotta take care of everything mm-hmm. uh, i know i know what jessica Leese is hoping for i know that jess is really team giants brienne uh so we hopefully that's going to continue to be a thing. We really are. Now where we did, did we are? leave Absolutely. this with Sansa and John? um what do you mean where did we like
0: we're are, we're we're on the we're on the move we're headed to winterfell yeah, it's we're
1: recruitment sack- it's re- yeah. it's recruitment time we're trying to get you know the the few houses that they think that they can get you know there's the major ones it's like the iowa, iowa caucus of- they're like knocking
0: right. on doors like hey uh so we're 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 we're, we're, we're gonna storm winterfell we want to see if you want to be on board with this we have some pamphlets
1: yes it's a grassroots campaign at this point if you want to caucus uh, go- for us Yeah, they're going door to door. Caucus the wagon. Yeah, they are. You know, they're all leaving and they're trying to take care of that. And, you know, John identifies a few houses that they think like if we could rally this like couple dozen houses, like that's going to be enough to handle the Umbers and the Karstarks. We'll be able to make some moves there. One of those houses was, uh, if you didn't notice, the Mormonts. The Mormonts Mm -hmm. are going to be in play. John obviously has some history with them. We love Jorah. So that will be fun. Let's see how that works out. If John can get some bears on his side. Maybe Tormund wants to be around for that. Okay, good, good. All right, uh, let's switch around.
0: Instead of uh, the politics of the North, let's go out to Pike, where uh, the Kingsmoot primaries are going on, and it seems like we have a new king of the Iron Islands. You're on. You're on, Rob. <laughs> yeah, you're on. Uh, let's make uh, Pike great again. He has a plan. And uh, that plan is going to be to go team up with Daenerys Targaryen. I don't know if she's in on that plan. I can't imagine she's going to like that plan.
1: Yeah, I don't feel like she's going to look at Euron or hear anything about that guy and be like, oh, yeah, that's somebody that I want to work with. That being said, Daenerys is the kind of person who, you know, did what I described earlier, what I feel like Sansa should have done to Littlefinger, where she'll play along. She'll play a ball for a little while, and then she'll roast you alive with dragon fire and steal your crap. Uh, So I could see her doing that to Euron. What crap
0: do they have that Theon and Yara already stole all their crap?
1: Well, that's the thing. And I feel like, you know, this is great news if you're a Theon Greyjoy fan. Like, if you're a Yara Greyjoy fan, I feel like those two characters could very much align with Daenerys Targaryen. And you could see, like, Yara and Danny potentially being simpatico. Like, two people who are really strong-minded, have no respect for the leadership of Westeros, would totally be on board. I think that that could be a combined powerhouse, uh, but Euron, I don't think Danny would be on board with. But if you're if you're a Theon and Yara fan, I feel like this could be very good news. Danny needs ships, and I feel like those three personalities, I think push come to shove, you could see them melding together decently well. And also, Tyrion knows Theon; they know each other from back in season one. And they've both been through a lot since then. So maybe Mm. they can find some common ground.
0: I don't know. That seems like a little bit of a stretch. I kind of feel like that they totally are on the same page where Danny wants to sit on the Iron Throne. seems like Yara, that she was saying that their move is like, no, we just need to stay on the water, that we can't hold land. Anytime we try to hold land in Westeros, that's a problem for us. So let's just get the fleet going out there. So... I don't know if necessarily they have enough in, enough mutual interest there.
1: Well, I think that, you know, Yara and Theon are, are at the very least right now. Euron says, like, let's go murder those two people. Let's go murder my niece and my nephew. Uh, Yara and Theon left in a hurry because they obviously sensed danger was on the way. Mm-hmm. They also were there at the King's moot and heard Euron's victory speech of we're going to go line up. We're going to align ourselves with the Targaryens. So doesn't it make sense for Yara and Theon to take their show on the road or on the open sea, as it were, sail to Meereen, beat Euron to the punch and say, hey, Daenerys Targaryen, let's team up. You can have the land. We can have the sea. We can come up with some sort of thing. And can you help us kill our uncle? Because that guy's a lunatic.
0: Plot wise, Uh, it makes uh, sense in terms of that all of the ships in Danny's fleet went on fire. Here is a fleet of ships on the run. I just feel like that I'm still not seeing necessarily why Yara and Theon are teaming up with with Danny. But I guess we'll get more on that as it develops. We can chew on that in the feedback show. Let's yeah. move on to other stuff. OK, uh, let's go to uh, D- let's talk about Danny and what she's up to. Uh, we saw her with Jora and another moving scene tonight uh with Jora and uh and danny and uh, she's like i don't know what to do with you i can't get rid of you i can't keep yeah. you he's like i yeah. have to leave i have to leave look at
1: look at this look at how bad this is getting yeah this is really nasty you don't want to touch this uh but danny's saying you know like uh don't turn your back on me i order you to go find the cure and her just crying and this like major outpouring of emotion of Jora. you know i love you. his love i love you uh, she didn't even say, I know, which I feel like would have been the appropriate response there. Uh, but it was just it was a beautiful scene. Really, really wonderful. You know, it was you were on the verge of tears with the John and Sansa reunion last week. And again, with this, for me, at least, I really was like, oh, I love these people. Please get your act together and make out already. Maybe cure up the cootie spot first, but then make out. Yeah, I command uh, I you to get better. Yeah, I command you to make out with me. Please, let's get these two people making in out. front of Dario. Come on. Is it? Yeah, in front of Dario. Dario can be like, All right, I'll take this sweet butt elsewhere. Uh you know, he's not gonna have any problems. He'll be fine. You know, he'll It'll be, be okay. Fine.
0: Uh he'll be fine. The other part of that story is that we see now uh Tyrion and Varys talking about, okay, so you know, we knocked Tyrion's plan last week, but it's been sort of like you know, there's been no sl- no uh slaves killed. Uh, only a couple of masters got killed. Seems like an easy truce, except that Danny's PR team is not getting the credit for doing this thing. It's all—it's one thing that it's happening, but it's another that nobody's talking about it on uh, Social Merindia or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> People aren't are spray painting it on the walls. Hey, did you hear yeah. what happened?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he really wants to start like, you know, that's his thing. He's all about spin and publicity and everything. And so is Varys. And Varys is used to having a network that really responds to him. Uh, and he does not have the birds chirping for him here in Meereen. So they wanted to do something about that. And they want to get the endorsement of Relor. They want the Red Temple of Volantis to chime in on their behalf because they're a big deal. We've seen them. You know, we started seeing them in uh, season five when they were in Volantis. That was fun. This season, we'd already been seeing a little bit of that being seeded out. So they talk to like the head honcho of the Red Temple. Her name is Kinvara. Her full title, this is according to Game of Thrones Wikia, which is already updated. Uh, It's uh, Kinvara, High Priestess of the Red Temple of Volantis, the Flame of Truth, the Light of Wisdom, and First Servant of the Lord of Light. So what is she, like the President of R'hllor? Yeah, she's the uh, head of the fan club. Uh she's the Red yeah, President.
0: The Red President. Now, Josh, yeah. did you happen to notice that she had a very similar choker to the one yeah. that the Red Priestess uh Melisandra had?
1: Rob, I did notice that. Mm. I did. Uh and I also noticed that she is going by uh first servant of the Lord of Light. And is that just like she's Red President and she won the election, or she's like favored and so she's going to be first in line? Red state. Or is she, or is she literally the first servant of the lord <laughs> of light and we already know that Sandra is so old that this woman's got to be ancient like she's got to be real old
0: mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so
1: i would i would guess you take that choker off and it's going to be an interesting situation yeah now things are going to Fill out. Okay. It's, gonna be there.
0: <laughs> it's not going to be great. All right, but let's go back to her conversation with Varys because uh, that was eerie that she knew so much about Varys and that night with the wizard and all and the magic. And of course, Varys hates magic. And hates so it. yes, and so. What what's going on there does she just was she involved with that did she just she just can like uh look into the flames and she sees what's going on
1: yeah that's great uh i love that and i you know we could speculate about what happened how does she know that stuff i think we've seen the red priests certainly are capable of some weird shenanigans uh maybe not evil shenanigans but strange things you know very bizarre happenings uh we saw one of them Bring Jon Snow back to life. We saw another bring Beric Dondarian back to life. Not a huge leap to imagine that they could, you know, be a little bit clairvoyant or they can, you know, read your minds a little bit, or they know things about your past, or she has seen Varys in the fires much in the same way that Melisandre saw Stannis and John and all of that. All of that you could parse apart however you want. I think the big story for me is how often can you think like how how many times can you think of that Varys the spider has been truly bone deeply unsettled by something. Uh, And just the fact that he was so majorly astonished by this moment and clearly, clearly creeped out, freaking out about the fact that this woman knows about the darkest thing that has ever happened to him in intimate detail. Uh, That look on Varys' face is really awesome. Um, In, you know, every sense of the word. Awesome. Like it is just like a very big, powerful thing for a guy who is so smart and so on the ball so often to have that, you know, earth shattering bombshell dropped on his lap. I think that's a really big deal. So do you trust the red priestess? Um, do I, tr- I don't know that I even trust Melisandre, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't, I, You know, I, I certainly don't trust this one more than I trust, you know, the woman who brought Jon Snow back to life. So trust is low. But I believe in her ability to do some whacked out stuff. Like, I definitely believe in her abilities there. I want to see her in a scene with Daenerys Targaryen. And when we see the two of them together, maybe we can start speaking the same language. But there's some interesting language choices in this scene with Kinvara saying that Daenerys is the one who was promised. And we've seen Melisandre say Jon Snow is the prince who was promised. So there's a couple of ones who have been promised. There are two who have been promised right now. And we're not even counting Stannis in the mix. Uh, so lots of promises. I can't imagine that all of these promises can be kept. Or maybe they can be. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well
0: then let's talk about what's going on in Bravo's, Because this was certainly the winner of the most absurd story of the night. <laughs> Where Okay, so we, we go back
1: to Arya versus Arya 2. Now, Rob, I know that typically when you ring the bell, it says ding, but for one night only can it be dong. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. So, all right. So, Aria versus Aria
0: 2. Now, uh, as for some reason, Aria 2 is back to just completely mopping the floor with uh, Aria 1, even though somehow Aria 1 was able to best Aria 2 when she was blind. But somehow, right. uh, as they're back into this combat, you know, it's it's no contest uh Aria too is just uh destroying aria okay
1: but mop in the forward yeah. yeah that being yeah. said
0: they send her out on a mission she has to go kill an actress and uh much like in the minstrel show that little finger put on like uh, it must have been like the the off Broadway run of the minstrel show really got <laughs> rave reviews and this is like the Hamilton of Westeros that uh, <laughs> we are seeing like a whole reenactment of that <laughs>
1: Joffrey Baratheon. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, it was definitely it's, it's, it's a fun scene on some level because, you know, the things that are happening are so absurd and the way that it's playing out is so absurd. But again, another unsettling scene because this poor teenage girl is forced to relive the trauma of her father's death. And not only that, but in like such a slanderously presented way. Uh, where like the the spin on this and even in bravos people are apparently buying into the narrative that edard stark was like a total chump who and i mean i guess that's kind of true but he wasn't like a glut he wasn't like a gluttonous chump you know he was a noble chump yeah. he was he was a nice chump And it's kind of uh, like a vaudeville type show where right, there's nudity right. in the show also Right, yeah. Uh, so that was, you know, it was uh, it went on for a while. It was kind of a long scene mm-hmm. uh, in so many ways. <laughs> Again, Dong. Uh, so that happened, and I think for Arya, what's interesting is, you know, she sticks around long enough to see Lady Crane as the target. She's supposed to kill Lady Crane who's p- playing Cersei Lannister, so Cersei Lannister being a name on Arya's list, this should be easy enough for her to scratch out, you know, at least like, you know, sort of like projection, uh, you know, projecting some vengeance at least. But she goes backstage, sees this woman, and she seems like a nice enough person and she's like, I don't know that I want to kill her. I don't mm. know if I want to do this. And Jake and Hagar's like, doesn't matter what you want to do, don't ask questions. This is the hit. This is on the list. Um so we've got some conflict. I mean, Arya just bought her way back into the house of black and white, and already this is a bitter pill for her to swallow is to kill somebody who she doesn't think deserves it. Where do you think that's going?
0: You don't think this is some kind of test that we've had so much of Arya? Who are you? The girl is no one. We have Arya too, calling her, you know, the Stark, the Stark girl. Right. And you'll never be one of us. And so we know that she's motivated by vengeance. What, who are the names on your list? The name on the, one of the names on the list is Cersei. And out of all the people in all of Westeros and, and the game of Thrones universe, the person that she is told to poison is a woman who's playing Cersei in a play. I, yeah. I mean, how could this be a coincidence? I mean, that there has to be. I don't think be. it is. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I don't think it is a coincidence. So I think it, that, you know, I don't think I don't think it's that, like, the Cersei actress is in on it. I don't no. think that Lady... Yeah, I don't think that Lady Crane is, you know, like, all right, yeah, sure, I'm in. Uh, just pay my, you know, pay my kids whatever you were going to pay me. I'm happy to die for the cause. I think that it's, on Jake and Hagar's part, this is graduation day, no one, if if that is your real name, Arya Stark, you know, go and kill this person and live through this situation and then we will know that you're actually part of the squad. But it seems to me you're saying that the test is, can you kill this
0: person? I almost feel like that the test is the opposite. It's like that you would think that Arya, if she was no one, uh, might not be so interested in like, wait, wait, why am I killing this person? As opposed to if she was Arya, hey, you're playing Cersei in a play. You deserve to die. Cersei is horrible. I hate Cersei. Let me kill somebody who is acting as Cersei. And it's sort of like a proxy for killing Cersei in person.
1: Right. I Yeah, absolutely. But I think that the humanity of Arya Stark, you know, Arya Stark as a person who is seeing somebody who is good and innocent or at least innocent-ish, Uh, is not you know somebody that she deems worthy of murder i think you know the test is you know death comes for us all and like we've seen people we've seen the faceless men uh, we've seen people go to the house of black and white for the you know the gift of mercy who did not seem like bad people they came for help and they just get poisoned and that's it and they seem like totally innocuous human beings and i think the test here is to see if Arya is able of going that far And it should be a fairly easy thing because this decent person is dressed up as somebody that Arya is supposed to hate. And I think that she is, you know, if she doesn't go through with that, I feel like that's failing the test. I think that they want her to go through on this. I don't think this is a hold your punches back moment because I don't think that the faceless men are supposed to hold their punches back when it comes to a contract
0: which was the tougher moment for you to get through uh when joffrey was poisoned at the purple wedding or uh fake joffrey discovers genital warts
1: i thought that uh they were both fantastic <laughs> scenes i thought that they were both terrific i don't think either of them were particularly difficult i think that they were great excellent game of thrones moments
0: is, is there any sort of plot coming from that was that sort of like a no. chekhov's uh venereal chekhov's, disease chekhov's- yeah.
1: Chekhov's wiener. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I think so. I think that they. I think that Game of Thrones. Uh, they finally they heard the call. They they've heard people saying Game of Thrones. You need to hang more dung, and so they hanged some dung. I think that's what happened. And a couple of warts there, and a few warts. warts as all well. okay. It's like all right. You can have your dung, but it's coming with genital warts.
0: All right, uh, Josh. Sure. Anything else before we get into some of these questions? No, 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 I'll just okay. end
1: up talking about really gross stuff. Okay, so yeah, let's just...
0: not do that. Okay, of course, uh, we will get into even more questions on our feedback show later on in the week. Uh, you can send us your questions, got at postshowrecaps.com or with our voicemail line at postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail, of course. Uh, and we'll have the Game of Thrones uh, book club as well after all of this. So make sure you don't miss any of that by subscribing to the podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash got iTunes. All right. So let's do some questions here. Uh, Sarah Blackfire wants to know, I'm still trying to process that ending. uh, Where will Bran and
1: Mira go now? And can we expect any more visions, Josh? Yeah, I think that we could definitely expect more visions. I don't think that that is, you know, I don't think that business is finished by a long shot. Um, I think that they are going to be heavily pursued. Uh, I think that they could get caught. I think that that's totally possible. I don't really know how they evade the entire White Walker army without some help and i don't know who that help is uh who do we know that's north of the wall right now not a lot of people could they reach the wall before they get you know caught by the white walkers i guess <laughs> i don't think i don't think so uh but it's not impossible okay <laughs> so then uh this is a question
0: from uh no Lies. so the cave where brand had the magic force uh, shielding the front entrance uh had a wooden door shielding the back, is that what's go going- that was there was a secret back
1: door there? yeah, again, this was a very lost like episode, and the three eyed Ravens hideaway was basically the Swan station from Lost, where they spent an entire season trying to blow open the hatch, and little did the Knights King know that all he had to do was like walk like twenty more paces and just, like, knock on the back door, and he would have been able to get in and just, like, kill everybody. This okay. war could have been over a long time ago. Evan Starr wants to know, uh, can Bran have flashbacks without touching the magic tree? I don't know. I don't know how that works. Uh, we haven't seen him... You know, we've seen him Green in the past when he was hanging out with Jojen Reed, and he didn't really need any of that stuff. Uh, but Jojen Reed was no Three-Eyed Raven, and he was not teaching Bran half the crap that uh, the Three-Eyed Raven was throwing Bran's way. So I don't know. I mean, I think it depends on just how powerful... He became, I think that uh, certainly his time with the three eyed Raven was, you know, like him and his most powerful, but how much did, did that, you know, sort of download take, how much did brand become the three eyed Raven as the three eyed Raven was saying, I want you to become me now, even though you're not ready for it. Chat
0: room is really floating the theory that Benjen Stark is going to show up to save the Ooh, day. Wouldn't
1: that be fun? <laughs> that would be great. I mean, listen, we he find been? Out He's just hanging out for, for years. Yeah, maybe he, you know, was he was hanging out. He like rolled his ankle somewhere and he's just been biding his time. Uh, I don't know. You know, the Benjamin Stark question has been a huge one uh, for fans in the community, like ever since the first book, which is, you know, back in 1996. No sign of that guy still. So if Benjamin Stark shows up, that's going to be really, really fun. Like I'm going to be very excited if that's the case. Riding Nymeria. Right, yeah, that would be incredible. New direwolf, return of Benjamin Stark, that would be excellent. Or maybe just Benjamin Stark riding on a a direwolf, followed by an army of direwolves, and Bran now gets like an army of summers. You trade one summer for a pack of summers.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh this is from Danfo22. What is the deal with Sansa not trusting John and telling him the truth? Uh, is this hinting at some shady things that will happen with John or Sansa's characters this season? And Again, you know, the Starks are legendary for their honor. They always tell the truth. They can't tell a lie. Uh, Sansa does not seem like uh, she has this thing
1: well I mean she's not the only one uh, certainly Arya has you know a darker side Is it to the her women Starks that they don't have this problem? Um, I don't know I mean listen Rob Stark was supposed to marry Walder Frey's daughter and then he totally just you know lustily fell in love with Talisa and that got everybody screwed so it's not like you know everybody and if you believe the story if you believe the straight story uh, that Eddard Stark is Jon Snow's father and Jon Snow is his bastard and everything like that. And, you know, he cheated on Catelyn. And like, there is something that's a little bit of a fallacy to this idea that the Starks are like pure mm-hmm. a million percent honorable. So they can lie. They can, you know, human beings are complicated. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going right. to do? All
0: right, uh let's take some more questions. Uh this is from our Philly. Are we to presume that the last of the children of the forest are all dead and gone? Uh given the reveal, uh did they deserve
1: this fate? Did they deserve this fate? Well, if they built the white walkers, uh the chickens damn do come home to roost. So it's you know, it kind of makes sense that this would be the way that they would go. Uh it sucks for them. I don't think that they, you know, they really wanted this to happen. I don't think that when they built the white walkers, they knew that their weapon would turn against them, but that's sort of the nature of the beast. Sometimes, is you build the thing that destroys you. Uh, this is from Saints Realist.
0: Is Arya told to kill the actress because she is the one uh, spreading genital warts throughout
1: Bravos? <laughs> Do we have any
0: evidence of that?
1: <laughs> That's great. Uh, <laughs> I like that theory. Let's let's consider that canon until proven otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, then John Stevens says, uh, "Not that I'm ungrateful for the Hodor backstory, but why was that vision of uh, Ned being sent to the Eerie so important for Brand to see? Do you think it simply is just uh, that he had to put Brand and Hodor near each other? Well, maybe right. the mo- that and I, I brought this up earlier in the show that he Brand needed to see Hodor have his sort of uh you know um
1: episode." You know, well have- he had to cause it. He had to cause it. You know, Bran is the person that causes that episode that, mm-hmm. you know, turns Hodor into Hodor. And like I said, you know, I think near term, maybe not in terms of the long, you know, the long running mysteries of all the things that Bran needs to know in order to fight the White Walkers and save the universe. Uh at least none of the things that he should hopefully be able to do one day are going to be possible if he's dead. So first order of business, let's turn Hodor into the hold the door-door. Uh, man you know the doorman hodor and i think that that is like you know we bar we bar off these whites we get bran away and then we deal with the future stuff for another day this
0: is from pitt 1971 could bran be the key to destroying the wall for the
1: knights king that is the other theory i mean what and i love it i think it's i think it's really neat like it's awesome neat i think this idea is Brand the Builder is this great historical figure. He is, you know, somebody who builds the wall, very legendary, noble guy. Uh, and then the inverse number of that that a lot of people think that Brand could be moving toward is Brand the Breaker or Brand the Destroyer. Uh, and especially in the books, there's some things about warging that you hear about. Like it's really a inside the warging community. It's a real no-no to be warging into other humans. You're not supposed to do that. And Brand in the books especially does it a lot and kind of really likes it. And he does it on the show a decent amount of times, too. And we just saw with very, 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 very nefarious consequences for a guy like Hodor. So whether or not it was like an intentional thing that Bran would somehow be involved in like going in league with the Night's King, I think a lot of people have expected some sort of dark turn for Bran. Tonight was definitely a dark turn for Bran. Whether or not he wittingly or unwittingly takes a darker turn in the future, I think is absolutely on the table. Uh, I think that Bran certainly is linked to that wall. And the question for me is, is he uh, building it? Is he defending it? Or is he breaking the thing down? But he's instrumental to that wall. I really think that that's a big part of Bran's story eventually.
0: It would seem weird to me to have Bran as a young man break the wall and then as sometime in the future, go back in time
1: and build the wall. Yeah, well, he would be fixing a mistake. You know, he would be atoning for uh, a really big error that he made in his past. Uh, And given the Hodor thing that we saw tonight, uh, things that strike you as strange are very much in play right now. Okay. All right. Well, Josh, we will discuss all this and much more uh, when
0: we reconvene later on this week. Josh, I didn't ask at the top of the show, what sort of things are you working on for The Hollywood Reporter?
1: Uh, I am going to be, uh, hopefully, I'm going to try and talk to Christian Nairn, who plays Hodor. I'm hoping to track him down, uh, trying to get that in the works. That's kind of in the works right now. Um, I am going to be talking to Bran himself once again, my best friend, Isaac Hempstead Wright. I will try and talk to him this week as well. Uh, So keep an eye out for that stuff. And who knows what else will pop up along the way. But I'll be right in furiously for THR, all about Game of Thrones, all week long. So check that stuff out, THR.com slash Game of Thrones, if you like. Reading my things, okay. I hope you do.
0: Of course, also uh, Josh has got the book club on the way as well this week, so uh, yeah. a lot, a lot to unpack here on a very busy Game of Thrones week. And Josh, Ed, this is the halftime show; we're halfway home. Uh, halfway home. Hold the door. Yeah. We're halfway there. The
1: door. Yeah. No, this season is really flying by, and you know, uh, it's it was definitely a huge question, like coming into it. What's it going to feel like to experience this story on the show for the first time instead of the books? For a lot of the people who come into it book first. It's been real fun, in my opinion. I'm loving this season. I thought this episode was insane um, and heartbreaking. But also, you know, there's there were moments like the Jorah thing was so beautiful. But last week, we were talking about, you know, the happiest episode of Game of Thrones, maybe. For you, do you feel like this is its opposite numbers? This is the saddest episode of Game of Thrones ever.
0: I mean... I love Hodor. We love Hodor. We love red summer. I, I mean, year. the red wedding has yeah, to be were, still yeah. number yeah. one. And, and, yeah. and if not, you know, Ned
1: Stark dying, I think that's probably one, two, but this and- is some, like this episode was like some crazy sort of like red wedding, hard home mashup, you know, like mm-hmm. it was like some sort of like jam between like this insane, unexpected white Walker action and then losing such a beloved icon. Uh, so I think that this is going to be a historical episode for sure. I sure. think that this, this is like this is potentially top ten territory.
0: Historical ramifications all around. All right, Josh, what's yeah. the hashtag tonight? Ooh, what did we get? We had Red President was in there. Social marindia. Uh, Social marindia. <laughs> Chekhov's venereal disease. Uh, oh, so, no, so many different today.
1: things. Yeah. Okay. Uh I don't think we need to do that last one. No. I think that we can we can veer away from that ter- territory. Does the chat room have any suggestions, Rob? Okay. Uh not not yet. Not
0: yet. Uh, We'll see. Also, uh, thanks so much to uh, Alex Kidwell behind the scenes uh, for pulling all of the questions down uh, for us as well. Josh, how much do you think that uh, tickets are going for for that production of uh, the history of
1: Westeros? Yeah, I think that it goes like you can... You can there's a lottery system, you know, like you can really like if you're lucky, but it's really hard to to get those lottery tickets. But if you want to buy them on uh, the Black Dragon market, it goes for about like 600 dragons. This 600 is a dragons. T- wow. Yeah, pricey ticket. Pricey, pricey ticket. Okay.
0: So, uh, Josh, what do what was your call for the uh, for the hashtag? Let's just go. Red president is fine. Yeah, red good. president. Uh, that's, whatever you want to do is good. All right. Uh, how, about, how about a halftime show?
1: how about a halftime show is that what we're going to do right now well who's going to
0: be <laughs> no i meant the hashtag hashtag halftime show sure that's fine i thought that
1: you were asking me to do Perform, no show. well that would be a closing and, uh, show because we're about to yeah, end yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no music for me for the next little all one. right so maybe, already got a little earlier
0: make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more of our game of thrones coverage post show slash got itunes or in the main recap feed. Working on a lot of stuff. Uh, Josh Wiggler and Antonio Mazzaro are cu- recapping Mister Robot season one. I am Mister certain- Robot. Yes, I am brushing up on my Mister Robot as well. Uh, check out that podcast feed. And uh, myself and Alex Kidwell will be back tomorrow with the Fear the Walking Dead midseason finale.
1: Nice, awesome. Okay, I hope it's good. Oh yeah, I hope it it's works. Huge. Out. Yeah, huge, yeah, yeah. huge stuff.
0: Uh, They're time traveling, Josh. No, stop it. Stop
1: it. I did hear it took a turn for the lost, but I went, no, I am really behind on that show. Okay. All right. Well, good stuff
0: all around. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Looking forward to reading your comments on postshowrecaps.com. Take care. Bye.
1: Bye.